welcome to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. I'm your host and life coach, Pamela Hughes. Every week, we're going to start to wiggle loose in area of your life that has got you stuck. Oh, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about relationships. I know a lot on this podcast, we talk about relationship with self, you know, how you relate to yourself in so many different situations. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times. The most important relationship you're ever going to have is the relationship you have with yourself. And that's what we work on so much. But then there are the other people in our lives and primarily like those that we love the most, our husbands, our wives, our kids. Today, we want to focus on that intimate relationship of husbands, wives, boyfriend, girlfriends, those relationships that give us so much, but also, uh, yeah, if you've ever been in a marriage or a long-term relationship, you know that they can take a lot to keep going. So that is why today I have invited a close friend on the podcast, a guest today on the podcast. Crystal Hansen is joining us. She is an advanced relationship and marriage coach, and she is absolutely amazing. Hi, Crystal. Hello. So glad that you're here with me today. I'm so excited to be here with you. Ah, relationships. Yes. As a life coach, you know that we work on the relationship with self so much, but you work with folks who are in a relationship and maybe it's not going the way that they want it to. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges and complaints that clients come to you with in those kinds of relationships. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, we all have relationships and none of them are perfect. In fact, if anybody has a perfect relationship, I would love for them to come tell me how it's done because I have yet to figure this out for myself. And I have yet to meet anyone who has a perfect relationship. A lot of the times the clients that I typically work with are people who are really stuck in kind of this miserable marriage. I mean, I work a lot with married couples, so it's either with the wife or the husband and wife come together, but they're kind of stuck in this cycle of things go okay. And then it gets really bad. And I don't know if you're familiar with this at all. I resonate with this, um, where we kind of get in these cycles in marriage where things will go really well, or they'll go okay. And we're coasting. And then there's the big blow up or it's like, here we go again. It's the same song and dance. Like we should be past this. We've been married for X amount of time, or we've been together for X amount of time. Is this ever going to end? And then a lot of people typically are looking at it. Like I, I made the wrong choice. Maybe I chose wrong. Maybe I should have picked somebody different. Like we have nothing in common, things like that, that are really kind of what come up a lot. And it's really actually pretty common. Is it common? Because I think that like when you're just even saying that so many people can identify and resonate with, it should be different and this shouldn't be happening and all the shitting, you know, that goes on in relationships. But even just the idea of like people who are stuck in a miserable marriage, I think that that might take a lot of courage to admit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the first and foremost thing, like you talked about, like relationship with self, a lot of times we don't even give ourselves that self-confronting conversation of what do I really want? Is this okay? Is this in alignment with me? Do I want this relationship? Do I want to work for this relationship? Those type of questions actually come first. And a lot of times we get 
stuck and not like we graze over those really. And it's like, we kind of fall victim to this relationship. That's just all of a sudden happened to us. Yeah. I think people might be afraid to ask themselves those questions for fear of what those answers truly are. How do you help folks when they're in that space? Well, I think a lot of times, like I said, when, when they come to me, they're already looking at it. Like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this, something better change or like, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And so it really is having those self-confrontation conversations where it's like, what do I want? What do I want in my marriage? What, how am I contributing to this marriage? What things am I placing blame on the other person that really are some things that I need to take ownership of? I mean, it's really easy to say, you know, there's two sides to every story or, you know, it takes two people to fight or it takes two people to do this. But a lot of times it's really hard to actually have the difficult conversation with ourselves. And that is the conversation that has to come first. We always think we need to have the difficult conversation with our partner, but really it, it actually is that difficult conversation with ourselves. So true. It, it, it is so true because it's easier to blame someone else for the current state than it is to take responsibility for where you are in that But when it comes to a relationship, it's not just you. There is someone else involved in this. So do you need two people to be willing to work on a marriage in order to fix it? This is my favorite question. (laughs) No, you absolutely don't. And it sounds kind of crazy, but I can tell you with certainty, it really does just take one person to fix a relationship because our relationships are made up of our perception of our emotions, of our feelings. And let me give you an example of this. You, I'm sure will have some people that will have, you've heard stories or you've talked to other people, you've personally witnessed this where even with your own partner, where one of you thinks everything's great. And the other person is like, no, it's not. This is like, this is, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And the other person's like, well, I was thinking everything was good. Like this is news to me. And so it really is a personal thing where we have so many stories and beliefs and and backgrounds and things that we bring to a relationship. And it really is just our narrative. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in thinking that this is all enmeshed together and, and we can read each other's minds. And because we've been together for a long time, like you should know this and it's back to those shoulds again too. So no, to answer the short answer is no, it does not take two people to fix a marriage. Although it's useful when you both want to fix it at the same time, but it's not necessary. Yeah. I'm sure that there would be like that validation and that encouragement that, yeah, we're in this boat together, but you know, in most marriages, it's not even just the relationship between, you know, the husband and the wife or the partners, whatever that may look like. In, in a lot of marriages, there are a lot of other people involved. I mean, we got kids, right? You've got the kids in the house. You've got the family relationships, coworker relationships, like all of those things. And with women, I think it's quite common to feel like you're navigating all of that alone because the relationships are super important. I know I'm making some very broad general statements here, but you know, relationships are critical for like women connection. And a lot of guys are more analytical and maybe that's just me projecting on like what happens in my marriage. But you know, there is that taking care of the kids and taking care of the relationships and you're navigating all of this, making sure that your spouse is okay, that your parents are okay, that your kids are okay, that the homework is done, that the dinners are made, that like everything is happening. And in a lot of relationships, I would venture to say, and I'm wondering if this is true for you as well, 
where a lot of women, they believe they're sacrificing their happiness for everyone else's. So what happens in those situations and how do you start wiggling that aspect of a relationship loose? One of the biggest things that come up in marriages and, and you can tell me how this lands with you, but it, it always is, it's always astonishing to me because there's kind of two ends of the spectrum with a relationship and everybody can be in different spots on this scale. I mean, some can hug one side of the spectrum. Some can be the other, some can be in the middle. It really doesn't really matter, but very rarely will you ever find two people that are in the same spot, but you have one end of the spectrum where a lot of marriages hang out closer to this end, which is being in a place of being polite and kind of having this pretend relationship and almost parallel. So these are those times in our marriage where we're looking or in our relationship when we're looking at the spouse and it's like, well, I don't, I don't, I want to just keep the peace or it's just so much easier if I just do it this way, or, you know, he can live his life and do it this way and I can live mine or vice versa. And it's like, we're just doing what we got to do to get things done. And every time we do that, it just reaffirms this whole thing of like, I'm settling or I'm stuck in this spot where I'm really falling victim to how this other person shows up. Now, the opposite end of that spectrum is a little bit more difficult, but it does create more connection and it creates a lot more self-love and self-trust. And that is being honest and having an intimate and a collaborative marriage or relationship. And that does take a little bit more work. Vulnerability is a big piece in that having courage to be able to be seen and be heard and dealing with those emotions that come up with that, because it is kind of scary to really be our truest self and saying, yeah, I actually really want this, or actually I don't want this and being okay with the other person's emotions, however they show up. Cause sometimes that doesn't always land well, but it is more honest and authentic and honesty and authenticity is what creates a deeper connection in a relationship. Why do you think connection can be so hard? You know, <laughs> connection requires vulnerability and vulnerability requires courage and that's, that's the key to it. And the biggest thing that connects us together are emotions. We don't know how to feel emotions and name emotions very well as a society. We're really good at skirting over them we're, we actually have kind of this polite and pretend relationship with our emotions too, where it's just like, nope, we're not going to, we're going to avoid and resist and sometimes react to them. And emotions are actually the very thing that creates connection. But if we don't know how to feel them, if we don't know how to recognize them, if we don't have to know how to label them within ourselves, then that right there just puts up the biggest wall for us to connect to ourselves and to anybody else. Yeah. When we talk about emotions, Crystal, it's also the idea of like, uh, you know, a positive emotion or a negative emotion, like one is good and one is bad. And when you can start opening yourself up to the idea of their emotions and sometimes that disappointment is what will fuel you to have that courage, to have that vulnerability, to have that conversation that can create that connection. And without that disappointment, you may not have gotten there. So a lot of times it is recognizing how you're feeling, labeling it, but not getting too attached to whether it's a good emotion or whether it's a bad emotion, because it can fuel change in relationships. And I've seen that in, within my own. And I'm sure that you've seen that with the clients that you work with as well. Absolutely. And I love that you say that, that it's not necessarily framing them as good or bad or negative or positive emotions, because like you said, we have to have discomfort. I like to call negative emotions. I usually 
refer to them as uncomfortable emotions, right? But without those, you don't have them. Like for instance, if you don't have doubt or fear or disappointment, you'll never feel hope. A lot of people really enjoy, like want to be hopeful. Hope is a very important thing in a human existence. And if we don't have that, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want those. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, the more that we can embrace those uncomfortable emotions, that's us moving towards the, com- like the, it's the ones that we're striving for, the ones that we want to feel the most. What's uncomfortable for a lot of people is conflict. Yes. And when you get into a marriage or a partnership, there is going to be conflict because these are two different people who have two different histories, who have two different experiences of life, who have different thoughts and different beliefs. You you love this person for all these reasons, but they're very different than you. So I'm curious as to what are your thoughts on arguments and conflict and you know the whole adage of don't go to bed angry. It's a really good question. So, I mean, as far as conflict is concerned, of course we all are going to have it. We're not ever going to agree on everything because we're all unique and different human beings. And like I talked about a little bit before, we're all coming into a relationship with our own past and belief systems, our own family dynamic. Some of that includes trauma. Some of it doesn't, some of it, you know, some people will come from a really healthy dynamic of a, of a family dynamic and then come in and another person may not. It's all different levels of that, that we bring with us. And you kind of have to unpack that as you go. But as far as conflict is concerned, if we're talking about discomfort, conflict is pretty uncomfortable, but if we take that conflict and we put it in that lane of like being, you know, polite and parallel and pretend that kind of keeps us on islands. Like we're kind of keeping this disconnect really like we're in that a place where there's self-betrayal where it's, where it's like, I'm going to care more about everybody else's feelings and I'm going to take a back seat. And there's also leads to more explosions where you're going to feel a lot more contention. And the other thing is that we'll do too, is it kind of puts us in that one up one down situation, which is never helpful or useful. Um, when we can actually decide that we want to be like honest and actually have an intimate collaborative marriage and have those conversations, starting from a place of knowing ourselves and what will trigger us in a conversation. So for instance, sometimes where we will, we all react to a conversation differently. I'm sure every spouse can say this where it's like, well, you know, my spouse doesn't talk and I want to like work it out and I want to talk all about it or vice versa. But really being able to go inside in the conversation and be like, okay, am I in a place where I can actually have this conversation right now? Because if not, then I've got to have the courage and the love and the discipline to take a step back and say, you know what, I'm going to take a time out and then we're going to circle back. But I want to like really emphasize that circle back part because sometimes in marriage, it's really easy to just be like, you know what, we're going to take a time out. We're not going to talk about this. And then you don't circle back. And that's when that will just continue to come back and come back. So that still kind of falls in that pretend parallel polite area, but it really is saying like, you know what, time out. I'm going to take a step back and you take a step back and I'm really going to get clean on this myself and really decide how I want to show up, how I, what type of spouse or partner I want to be in this situation and then have that conversation. And then the other piece of that is being able to have the practice and the habit and the courage to practice emotional regulation because we can't control the other person and how they show up. 
So how do you advise people to develop that emotional regulation? Because I think so often folks are raised in households that don't show or illustrate what emotional regulation looks like. So it sounds great, but how do you actually do that? Practice. A lot of practice. And, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and be like, we all can be emotionally regulated. (laughs) I would be so happy. I would be happy too. Right? Wouldn't it be great? Um, But really it's just practice and it's focus. It's a focus practice. So when you can really pay attention to how you show up in any relationship, whether it's with a boss, whether it's with a client, whether it's with your kids, with your spouse, with a family member, a lot of times when we have conversations and we feel those emotions, I always love this term that emotions are truth tellers, like emotions give us a lot of meaning. So when we notice those emotions come up, whether it's an emotion of, you know, anger or frustration or irritation or whatever it is that is kind of showing us that we're a lot of times we want to reflect that on the other person. It's like, well, they're doing this and this is why I'm ticked off. Right. Or this is why I'm, I'm frustrated. But noticing those emotions come up and actually being able to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, what am I actually making this mean? What is the story in my head right now? How am, how am I like these emotions and how they show up inside of me? What's going on for me, not for them, not what I'm making it mean about them or what I believe that they're saying and doing, but let me just take a step back here and just kind of look and see how this is landing for me. And that then brings it back to what we were talking about earlier, as far as like one person can have a huge impact on a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if you're getting curious about the way you're reacting and what's going on in your brain and how you're showing up, not from a place of judgment, like you've done anything wrong, but from that place Mm -hmm. of curiosity of what can I learn from this, that can have such a huge impact because while you can't change someone else, when you change and when you start better self, you know, regulating your, your own emotions, it's going to force them to interact with you in a different way. And that's where you can start to see some shifts. But I'm curious as to expectations in relationships. It's this expectation that their partner is going to do certain things, make them feel a particular way. We hear so often, they, don't, they no longer make me happy. And we're putting so much responsibility on the other person. I'm curious as to how you handle and and talk to your clients about expectations in a relationship. So speaking to this, that, you know, statement that you just posed of they no longer make me happy. um, It's really interesting because they actually never made you happy. Our spouses have never made, our partners have never made us happy. It's always how we are thinking and processing and feeling in those emotions. And of course, at the very beginning, when everything's new and fun and, you know, everybody's on their best behavior, it's still kind of that, like, get to know you. Right. And it's, there's not really a focus on negative. That part will of course come in any dynamic at any given point in time, but just knowing that, that we actually don't have the capability of making each other happy. I think a lot of times we get caught in that trap. Um, I remember, reading the book. And I don't know if you've done this assessment before or not, but it's the love languages assessment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember thinking, you know, we did the assessment. It's like, okay, this is my love language. And my husband was like, this is my love language. And it was like, okay, 
I, we're going to, we're going to do these things to help each other be happy. And I'll never forget this. Cause one of his love languages was, was having a clean house. Like he liked having our house clean. Like he was, that was his thing. And so he had come home from work one day and I, we had really small children at the time and I had some health issues come up. And so I had worked really hard to clean the house and I was so happy. He came home and he like really didn't say anything. And he was kind of in a bad mood. And he just kind of was like frumpy the rest of the night. And I was like, well, what in the world? Like, this was supposed to be like the thing that made you happy. Like this was me showing you that I love you. Like what's going on? Why are you feeling this? Well, come to find out he'd had a bad day at work and some things had happened along the way that he, that was what he was focusing on. It wasn't, had nothing to do with like me or the situation, but because I was doing that action just to make him happy, then that's where the resentment came up. My purpose was to get something out of him instead of doing something because I actually wanted to do it. So it's like the, that, the result, like why are we doing something is to get a particular result. And if you don't get that result, then that's where that resentment yes. can yes. come in. And I think that there is a lot of resentment in marriages. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, your, your partner does those things thinking it's going to make you happy or have a, an, an emotional impact on you. And when it doesn't, you feel like you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, okay, getting curious about the situation instead of running with the story that you're creating about it can help you with that emotional regulation that we talked about a little earlier. Yeah. But I find it interesting, Crystal, and I'm wondering what would you say is the biggest misconception people have when it comes to like a relationship coach? So a relationship coach is really going to help you unpack what your belief systems are, what your resentments are. It's going to help you connect with yourself. A lot of, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning, any type of help or any type of growth is always going to come back to you first. It's strengthening that and connecting with yourself, um, really paying attention and getting to know yourself. I know for me personally, for a long time, there was those shoulds that showed up in my marriage where I was like, Oh, my husband should know this about me. He should know this. I, my family dynamic was not healthy at all growing up. And I swore I would never have that dynamic, but it's interesting because I was so worried about paying attention to how he was showing up that I wasn't realizing how I was showing up and mirroring a lot of those bad habits that I didn't think for five minutes that I would ever do. I was so consumed with how he was showing up and what our marriage looked like, that I didn't even take the time to take a step back and be like, wow, I actually have brought a lot of this with me. And it's coming from a place of not having compassion or love for myself to actually heal and grow from that and meet myself where I am and grow instead of having it be like, well, I'm here and I'm an adult and we're married. So it just should look like this. We really do have to meet ourselves where we're at and grow from there. And I think what you just said there is really important because there are a lot of relationship books out there. There are a lot of podcasts out there, master classes, courses, whatever it may be. There is a ton of information out there that people can consume. And if we use like the love language book, for instance, you know, you're like, oh, okay, this is your love language. So I'm going to do these things because I want to have a strong marriage and I love you and I want to show you that I love you. But then when it doesn't go the way that you thought it should, we have all of these thoughts that are inside. So this is where I think relationship coaching is so powerful because you can read all the things. 
You can take all the courses. You can do all of that action. But unless you are getting intimately aware of what's happening within you and your role in all of this, like that's the missing key. That's the piece that people need to unlock in order for them to have that marriage that they're wanting so desperately. Because I think a lot of times, and I'm wondering if you see this as well, there's not a lack of love. There's a lot of love. It's a lack of connection. And people feel like they're roommates instead of partners. And so what would be the first step, just the first step, beginning step for someone who can identify with feeling like a roommate instead of a partner? So kind of going back to those three P's that I was talking about, there's that parallel piece, right? So, I mean, even polite, being polite in our marriage and kind of pretending that, you know, everything's just going the way it's supposed to. But if you look at parallel play, um, they talk about this a lot with kids. So toddlers will do this. Preschool kids will do this where they're playing together in a group, but they're, they're doing their own thing. They're next to each other playing with a toy. It's not like they're actually engaging together and playing, but everyone just looks at it and it's like, oh, they're have like they're having play time together. They're all playing together. Well, really, what they're doing is they're just doing their own individual tasks harmoniously together in one room, right? That's kind of how a marriage works with being roommates. It's like we're we're kind of doing our own thing under the same roof. That that's where that roommate thing is. So to kind of step out of that, that's like I said, I mean, you kind of having to lean into that discomfort, like we were talking about in order to feel the emotion and the comfort and the connection that we really want. And that's stepping out of that and being like, okay, how do I want to connect? That's, that's the first thing. How do I want to connect with my spouse? And that's the first thing that you have to start practicing with yourself is connecting with yourself that way. Yeah, it's so powerful. But yet I think that there are probably a lot of people who don't know how to do that. And we're not taught how to do that. No, no. Especially if you ask a lot of people in general, it's like a lot of clients, and I don't know if you experience this too. I mean, I think most coaches do and even therapists do where we'll ask the question, like, what do you want? And you don't know how to answer that question. I remember being asked this question before and being like, I I don't, I don't know. Can I, can I even ask myself that? Like, how do I ask myself that? Like I have wants, wait, hello. (laughs) Right. And so it really is just getting in the habit of asking and checking in with yourself and having that conversation of like, what do I really want? And how do I want to connect? And what makes me show up as my favorite version of me? What is an alignment with my value system and how I want to show up as a person? So when you take a tool like the love languages, that's when you can kind of notice it and be like, okay, I know that my love language is this. So chances are that's how I'm going to end up showing love to other people is my love language. So just even having that as an anchor of like, okay, my love language is words of affirmation and acts of service. That's how I'm going to show up and show love for other people is through that, that process. So I love when you, you say, you know, ask yourself, what do you want? And I would encourage people to take it a step further and pause Mm -hmm. and wait for an answer. Yeah. 
Listen for that answer and be honest with yourself with what you want. You are allowed to what what you want just because you want it. Mm -hmm. And for some people, their heads are like probably exploding right now because they're like, wait a second, that's selfish. That is, you know, I'm not allowed to do that. I've got kids. I've got a husband. I've got this. I've got that. I've got these responsibilities. That's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Just getting clear on what it is that you want can explain a lot of why you're behaving the way that you are or why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. So again, it's just coming from that place of curiosity. And so I'm curious, one more question for you here, Crystal. What do you believe are the most important elements of a successful marriage? So I think for starters, like you said, like really, I want to like circle back to that a little bit because I love how you talked about taking a minute and listening, figuring out what you want one, like you said, can change, but two, it's almost like collecting data. You almost have to, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not just a, let me hurry and fill out this question. It's really paying attention. It's a daily habit of checking in with yourself and saying, okay, do I like this? Do I not like this? Cause chances are when we're not showing up in a way that is what we, how we want to show up, there's reasons behind that. And it's because we have these expectations or we have a high bar for ourselves or for our spouse. And that's what needs to be kind of broken down a little bit. And just kind of, like you said, with that curiosity of like, okay, why do I want this? I can have this. Why do I want it? But as far as having a a connective marriage, I mean, you don't have to both be in the same spot. One spouse can really show up in a way that is more of that polite and parallel. And you could show up in a way that's like honest and, and really like coming from a place of love and compassion for that person and saying, Hey, this is what I'm wanting. At the end of the day, you're building that connection from you. It's not going off of what they think. And chances are when you kind of flip the flip the board a little bit and you start changing things up, there is, there is kind of a little bit of a, you're rocking the boat a little bit. So there is some going to be some more discomfort, but just kind of going back to the theme here of what we're talking about is discomfort's actually something that leads us to what we actually want, which is connection, which is growth, which is having this honest, authentic sense of self and a relationship. Yeah. So it's like shifting your perspective. Mm-hmm. on so much in a relationship, so much with yourself, so much with those uncomfortable emotions is what is necessary in order to get you where you want to go. Absolutely. I love how Brene Brown says it. She always talks about this in several of her books, but saying how, am I willing to sacrifice short-term discomfort in order to get long-term discomfort? Or do I want to have short-term comfort and sacrifice long-term discomfort. Mm -hmm. That really is the basis of this is, am I willing to, do I want to feel the discomfort for the short term or do I want to feel it long-term and stay where I'm at? So good. So good. So Crystal, if folks are listening and they want to learn more about you, follow you, where they, where can they find that information? Uh, they can go to my website, crystalhansencoaching.com. I am on Facebook, Crystal Hansen Coaching, and I'm also on Instagram as well. Awesome. Anything in closing that we haven't touched upon that you think would be valuable for my audience to hear? So growth naturally comes when we start knowing and loving and doing our own self-work. So the growth that we will have with our relationship with ourselves is going to come from 
just having that loving peace growth in our relationships are going to naturally come when it starts with that self-love and that compassion. And that right there is the key is having that cure. I mean, we can talk about curiosity. We can talk about all of these things all day long, but at the end of the day, coming at ourselves with a place from a place of curiosity, with compassion and love and understanding that is going to naturally move us forward to growth. It's like that, you know, you, you hear that bumper sticker saying so much of like the amount that you love yourself is the capacity that you have to love others. And there's so much truth to that. You know, again, it is relationship with self, even though somebody else is in this partnership, when you can show love and compassion and curiosity for yourself, that is naturally going to spill out into every other relationship that you have. Absolutely. Crystal, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you this week. I will see you next one. Listen, if you're still feeling a little stuck and need a little help right now, wiggling loose, I got you. I put together a guide, a free guide to help you feel better right now. These are simple strategies that you can start today to feel better faster. Just go to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. That's the number four ways to feel better.com. I tell you, these are going to help you slow down, take a breath gain some perspective and control of what's happening in your life right now. And it's free because we could all use a little help and I'm here to help. Grab it by going to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. Again, that's the number four ways to feel better.com and start wiggling loose.